Welcome to True North Vineyard Podcast, where we share our Sunday gathering messages. True North is a vibrant church plant community located in Traverse City, Michigan area. We are centered in the Bible and follow the example of Jesus praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hope that our Sunday gathering messages encourage you to lean into the word of God and compel you to take action. To connect with us, visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Okay, I'm really excited about this. We, I've been going through Philippians for a while. I'm uh, teaching expositionally is what it's called, through Philippians. That means I'm just going through verse by verse through Philippians and teaching what Paul is trying to get through here to his people. Okay, he's writing to his church at Philippi that he had started this congregation and he's encouraging them to be the people of God. And that's what we are called to be, the people of God. So let's see what Paul has to say. Uh, we're going to go to the first passage. The first passage is, and if you have your Bibles with you or if you want to open your apps, uh, I'm going to be reading out of the ESV in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. And we are going to have it up here so you can follow along. All right, hurry up, take your time. Just kidding. Okay. All right, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 18. Here's what it says. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your, for your scripture, and thank you for... Um, uh, for your activeness in us, Lord. Thank you that uh, you have given us the counselor to be with us and uh, that, we are, uh, that we are able to be built up and encouraged by one another as we come together. So, Father, I pray that you be with us tonight and that you will, um, you will do that thing amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, I'm an interactive teacher for those of you who have not listened to me or, or been around when I've been preaching, but I like to ask questions, so put you on the spot. No, I won't. Cheryl knows. Okay, but I will ask questions. So first and foremost, we're going to look at the first thing. Uh, go ahead, Steve, and go to the next thing. Working out your salvation. What in the world does this mean? What is Paul talking about? Working out my salvation. How is that possible? Somebody give me an answer for that. How is that possible to work out my salvation? Say that again? Your fruit. Sorry, I thought that was Mike. That was David. I apologize. Your fruit. So you work out your salvation. Can you explain a little more what you mean by that? Absolutely. So the fruit of what you do bears witness to the salvation that you're working. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That, anybody else? How do we work out? How do we work out our salvation? What does Paul mean? Any other thoughts? Sacrifice. Okay. Exciting. Tell me what you mean. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's okay. Tell me what you mean. What do you mean by sacrifice? Like, how is that possible? How do we work out our salvation? <laughs> Through sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody on, everybody who's listening to this, they're going to be like, what's happening? And they're like, <laughs> David. Okay, yeah. Great, dying to yourself. I think that is a really good answer. I really do, Natalie. Well played. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So dying to yourself. Absolutely. This is a great, this is a great realization of, of what I'm saying. I'm going to look into this just a little bit. Okay. What is, does anybody recognize or have your phone or something so I don't have to pull up the verse? How does Paul say to, to do it? Work out your salvation. With fear and trembling. Thank you, Jess. Yeah, with fear and trembling. Well, what in the world does that mean, Paul? How does fear and trembling have anything to do with salvation? Like, why is that in the equation or what are we talking about, right? That's the real question at play here. So, Paul's looking at this and approaching it meaning seriously. Okay, this should be taken with gravity, with great depth, with a little bit of reverence, might I say. This is a big deal. Like, this is what he's talking about. He's saying this isn't something to just flippantly approach salvation, okay? And that's, that's really what Paul's getting at. When he says, work out your, fear, or your, your salvation with fear and trembling, he's saying this isn't something you just do. He's saying this is something that is profound, deeply, deeply relevant to your everyday walk. Okay? We're going to get into that in a little, bit, a little bit more here. So when he says, uh, work out your faith through fear and trembling, it is, how is this a possibility? Is this something that I just like David said, is it just something I, I do consistently? Like, can I just sacrifice what I, uh, my, you know, die to myself in every day and, and, and make sure my fruit is born? Like, I work really hard to make sure I'm a good person and do these right things and, and try to follow every letter of the law? Uh, is, that, is that what Paul's getting at? Does anybody think that's, that's a reality or, or a falsehood? What, tell me what you think. Like, I want to know. Not entirely. Not entirely? What else? Don't be afraid. It's okay to be right. That's a beautiful saying. Yeah, you're not living for your will, you're living for God's will. And that's exactly right. Now, mind you, we can't get into this, this place where it's all about the, what I do and, and how I do it and make sure I'm a rule follower and XXXX, right? This is only accomplishable by the Lord. That must be recognized. It's only through God that you're ever going to be able to accomplish this type of life. Okay? And what I mean by that is it's not an end thing. It's a continuation. It's something that's always happening. From the moment we said yes to the Lord to the, ideally the moment we die, we are saying, Lord, help me this day, right? I know I'm not good enough in and of myself, and that doesn't mean I'm bad, but I definitely need your help to accomplish this thing, and this thing is life, and I love you, and I want you to help me in through that, right? And that's all he's looking for. He wants that relationship with us, and he wants us, like a good dad, to ask him. That's a huge deal. Okay. Moving forward, I beat that horse. Uh, let's, uh, earlier in his, earlier in, his, in, in his book in Philippians, he says this thing exactly, uh, I think it's 1-6. Uh, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Right? He's saying exactly this same thing. This is the beginning. The work that he started in you was salvation. That's the goal. For those of us who call ourselves Christians, who believe that Jesus is king of the world and he died for our sins, that's what we 
hope for, right? That is the, what we have set our hope upon. So that is the idea of salvation from the beginning to the end, and that's what Paul's saying here. All right, so we must be mindful specifically, and this is the thing I don't want you guys to miss when I'm talking about working out your salvation with fear and trembling, is the continuation of salvation, okay? Is everybody with me? Did I lose anybody with that thought process? Please feel free to say, yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. The continuation of salvation. All right. Let's look at it. I want to use an analogy because I'm an analogy guy, like I said. My wife, Kristen, and I, we were married October 8th, 2011. That happened. Okay? That is a real thing, right? (laughs) That happened. And what happened at that point in my life? I was a single guy who then became a? Married guy, right, excellent, well played. See, you guys, it's okay to answer correctly, I promise, it's, it's fine. That's a thing, okay, what, what's the date today? I don't know either, okay, I know it's, what's the year, how's that? The 10th, okay, December 10th, 23, right? 2011, that's 12 years, okay, so I've been married for 12 years, praise the Lord. But here's, here's something I want to I wanna recognize, okay? I wanna, I'm using this as an analogy to salvation, so hold that intention, right? So let's look at the beginning. I want to look at the beginning of getting married. Will you pull up the Ephesians passage, Steve? In Ephesians, Paul is writing to his church at Ephesus, and he says this to them. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that anyone may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the beginning. Like, this is what he's saying. Like, this is the beginning of salvation. This is our marriage to Christ, quote-unquote, right? The Bible uses that analogy that we are, the, we are the bride, and he is the bridegroom, and we are married to Christ. That's the analogy at salvation, okay? You get this, uh, now we're going to move on to the, to the hard part of salvation, of what we're looking at here. So bear with me. I am actively married to my wife, right? I can tell you it's true. Is that true, babe? Okay, good. (laughs) I'm actively married to my wife. Praise the Lord. 12 years have gone by. That's a thing. Great. Absolutely. So I think you guys can all recognize that uh, me still being married to Kristen means I'm not divorced yet, or hopefully never, right? Because if she leaves me, I mean, I'm not, I'm not perfect. That's, let's be clear about that. But I pray the Lord that she never gets sick of me because I don't think I could ever leave her. So just joking on there, but you guys get it. Okay, so here's, here's the thing with divorce. Say that again? I can't. No, I can't leave her. Just joking about her leaving me. Let me be clear. She's awesome. She's better than me by far. So Divorce. This is the thing that I, I want to kind of bring up. Assuming she's devoted to me, this is a reality that we are married. Okay. Assuming that she's devoted and I'm devoted, we are going to be married. Does that make sense? What tense am I speaking in? The present tense. Yes, absolutely. Which is interesting, right? Because salvation. How many of you have only thought of it as past? Yeah. Right. I was saved. Yes. You absolutely were saved, just like I was married. But guess what? You are still saved. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I am still married. Do you see the analogy? Everybody tracking with me? Okay, cool. So let's look at Corinthians. What's Paul say about this? Okay, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27 says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. 
Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What's Paul talking about? I'll give you a hint. It's what my message is about right now. Working it out. Salvation. Like, this is a reality, right? Paul's saying this is, your recognition of salvation is a reality that is continuous. It is, a, it is a full thing that you must always be reverentially approaching. Fear and trembling, right? This is a real thing. Okay, one more, one more verse there in Hebrews. Pull that up, will you? Uh, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there, is no longer, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. I'm not putting these in here to be scary or anything, and I'm not, I just want to bring in a recognition of depth to the approaching of your salvation. And why is this relevant? Because if I go and punch my ticket, is that enough? I'm not saying it's not, but I'm also saying you might make sure it's enough because the Lord talks about this continuation aspect. This continuation aspect is like a relationship, like a marriage, just like Jesus says. And that's why I must continuously die to myself and choose Kristen and vice versa. She must continuously say, I want Zach to be my husband and I want her to be my wife. Because if that ever ends, we will no longer be married. You tracking with me? All right, cool. Salvation. Moving on. What's the third thing? I will be married until death. If we're both devoted to each other, right? I will be. Has that happened yet? No. I haven't died. She hasn't died. And we're not at the end of life. And that's just the thing. But if she stays devoted to me and I stay devoted to her, what's the outcome? We'll stay married, right? Which tense are we talking about? Future tense. Absolutely. What is our hope in Christ? That we spend eternity with him. What is that called? Salvation. Absolutely. What a brilliant thing. Salvation is past, present, future. That's awesome. Like, this is a reality we have to recognize. This is why we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling, because it's an ever-present thing that we will have throughout our lives if we choose the Lord. That's what we want. That is the reality of what we're trying to do here as a Christian. We are walking because we love the Lord, not ourselves. Okay. Here's what, here's what uh, Hebrews also has to say about like a future tense, right? Uh, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says this, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. That's the hope. Like That's a reality that we can expect if we continuously work out our salvation with fear and trembling. All right, let's deal with a couple hard passages. And then I'm going to be done beating this horse over, or you and it and all kinds of it beaten, okay? This horse. <laughs> all right. I want to put this out here not to scare you, okay? Let me just be frank with you because I love you so, so dearly that I hope you f- that your love for the Lord is the thing that, that exemplifies every action in your life and every choice you make and every way that you move from here forward and from your salvation forward, okay? This is why I bring this to you. Because I believe fundamentally you love the Lord. You proclaim it. If you proclaim it, that is real. 
that is an actual thing, right? And your actions will prove that, as David pointed out. So here's what Matthew 7, 21 through 24 says. If you would, Steve. Sweet. Okay. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, I will enter the kingdom of, or will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in, prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What's the second passage? Go ahead. Peter talks about this. So this that was the words of Jesus. And these are the words of Peter, you know, one of the apostles, right? Second Peter 2, 19 through 22 says, For whatever, comes, or whatever come, overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them if they had not, if, I'm sorry, for it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandments delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. I bring these things up because they're real. How many of you have ever given up on something in your life? I have many times, okay? <laughs> like, let's be honest with myself, I'm a, and you be honest with yourself. We are, we have a proclivity to these things, right? Because we're human. We fail at things. It's just a part of life. This is why we need God to help us get through these things. But this is the point. It is, I bring these things up because it is my desire that we do not fail, that we continuously choose to love our Lord and Savior. That's it. It's as simple as that. It's the continuation of this thing till the end. Enough said. All right. I love you. I know that was heavy. We're going to move on to a little bit lighter things, okay? Does that make anybody uncomfortable? Be honest with me. Does that make anybody uncomfortable? Good. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. It, it's, it shouldn't because there's, there's, there's no fear in this, right? That's not the point. The point is the reality of the love of the Lord, and that's it. And he loves us. His side of the equation is perfect. It's not like mine and Kristen's marriage where I'm imperfect and she's imperfect. He's always perfect. So it falls on me to lean on him who is perfect and continuously do that thing, right? All right. All right, being a let's go on to, the, to my next part there, Steve. I, I did this in homage to my brother-in-law, David. So he likes to use Papa a lot. So being a light and a proud Papa. <laughs> what in the world? All right, we're going to look at, uh, we're gonna look at the passage. Paul always gives uh, his readers some great practical advice along with philosophy, right? Because the beginning there is all philosophical. That's, that's just a reality. But now he's like, all right, let's look at the practical side of things. So uh, Philippians 14 through 6, this is in the passage that we're, that we're reading here. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's pretty straightforward practical advice. There's nothing philosophical about that, right? Okay, do that. that you, and this is why, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. 
That's an important aspect to recognize, okay? He's making that distinction. You are not of the world. You are something else. You are the light. You are only the light because you love him. You are sons and daughters of him. That's key. Okay. Uh, Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul likes to use the word run a lot, and and I think it's because he wants to keep in mind this aspect of working out his own salvation with fear and trembling, right? He's seeing it as this endurance race that he wants to complete. That's a big deal, okay? Uh, So the word of life. What is the word of life? Somebody tell me. What is Paul referencing here? And this this is a, I will warn you, this is a catch you type of question. What is the word of life? Hey, thank you. It's Jesus. Jesus is the word of life. John says it right at the beginning. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He is the word of life. That's what Paul's talking about here. I don't want to get that conflated with the Bible, okay? The Bible is something in and of itself, but Jesus is the word of life. Does that make sense? Cool. All right, so that's what Paul's talking about. He's, he's saying Jesus is the word of life. He's what we hold on to. He's what we're holding fast to, holding tight to, right? He is the promise for what? Anybody know? Right there in the text? Yeah, he's the promise for salvation. 100%. That's why we're holding tight to Jesus. Okay? This is all a recurring theme. I, I hope you know. All right, you're, you're seeing that. I'm not, I'm not going to lead you astray here. Right? <laughs> it's, an easy, it's an easy concept that we're dealing with, but it's a very dynamic, deep concept that we can't lose sight of just because it's easy. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Okay. So, uh, First John says this. Will you pull this up? For me, Steve, First John, this is the message that we have heard from him to proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Light and darkness is an analogy that we have had from the beginning to the end of time, right? I mean... Steve, did I have a did I have a slide up there for uh, of the night sky? Yes. I think yeah. Is that next? Oh, that was before. Oh, I was supposed to pull it up before. Sorry. Light in the darkness. Okay, you guys get the analogy. It's super simple, but the recognition is where light is, darkness cannot be. Okay, we are to become that thing. That is a big deal. Okay, this is what this is what working it out practically looks like that we do become the thing that God called us to. How many of you have kids? Yes. Okay. How many of you have hopes and dreams for your kids? Do you hope that they fail miserably, any of you? No, No, of course not, because you're good parents, right? And we have a good father in heaven who's so much better, right? And that's the whole point. This is what he hopes we become, the light of the world. He wants us to become the thing that we are able to become. He has good for us. He hopes good for us. He plans good for us. The question is, will we go with him? Will we say, yeah, of course, that's what I want too, Lord, thanks. I mean, you all know who have kids, and those of you who don't, recognize you were a child once, and you had parents who wanted you to do good things too, right? (laughs) It's the same idea. You remember how you felt? Mom, I don't want to clean my room. Any number of things, you name it, whatever it is. But it's good for you because that's what I'm telling you to do. I know better than you. That's what the Lord's saying. He wants you to succeed. He's not only your good father. He is 100% rooting for you 
to win, to accomplish, to be what he designed you to be. Just like you who are parents, or you can probably extrapolate because we're all grown adults here, that parents want their children to succeed. That is the key. And that's what he's doing, okay? So he's rooting for you. Do not miss that and all this direness that I brought up in the beginning. I don't want that to be like this dark cloud over the idea of salvation. I want you to recognize, like, it's him who is rooting for us to, to be with him through eternity. Okay. Uh, the light and the darkness. Paul, Paul knows the mandate to make disciples, and this is a key thing. Right? He knows in, you know, the, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all the world. Paul knows this mandate, and he takes it very seriously. He thinks this is the thing that everybody needs to recognize and go do. Okay? So he talks about uh, seeing himself as responsible to, to his disciples as a father. I used this analogy a little earlier, but what's he saying in the passage? Does anybody remember at the end of Philippians, the passage that we were just looking at? He's saying, so that it, will you pull that passage back up, actually, Steve, our Philippians passage there, the beginning? This is, and this is an important part that I want you guys to recognize, because he intends for them to be successful as a proud father, like I said, right? But right there at the end, he says, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul is taking his responsibility towards these people very seriously. And this is something I want to now encourage you guys to, okay? You guys are all called to become mature believers in Christ. How many of you want to be considered a child or a baby considerably in Christ for the rest of your life? Does anybody want that truly? And it's, and it's fine if you do, but I mean, we're not called to that. In Hebrews it says, I wish that you were eating real meat, but you're still drinking milk. You know, and Paul says, I want you to grow up into the maturity of Christ. This is so that you can see yourself as a proud parent who is passing on what they have received to people as well. Okay, and this looks like all things. It doesn't mean you have to come up here and do what I'm doing. Let me be clear. This is a very not normal thing for Christians to, to do as a part of growing up and maturing right? There's only a few people who become pastors. That's not the epitome. It's not a hierarchy. It's not like working your way up the chain. That's not how this works. We all have a piece of the body. We are all a part of the body, equally important in every way. That uh, cannot be missed, okay? Just because the eye is there doesn't need the ear, right? That's not true. That's what Paul says. Or just because one is the hand and says they don't need the foot, that's not true, Every piece matters and every part matters and we are all a part of this body, okay? So when I say you are called to something, I mean that. And all that looks like is relationships, okay? I'm not asking you to drop everything and sell. Me and Jesse had a great conversation about this last night. You're not necessarily called to sell everything you own, go live in a cardboard box and preach the word of God every day on the streets, right? Someone might be. Don't get me wrong there. Someone might be but probably that's not you. Nor are you probably called to be the missionary that goes across the seas into this dark, you know, the dark continent in the middle of Africa and, and live like an aboriginal. Probably not. What you probably are called to do is live for Christ where you are. That's a really big deal, okay? Does any of you know anybody outside of this room? Dumb question, right? Of course we know somebody outside of this room. 
Do you interact with anybody outside of this room? Yeah. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. Somebody in your life needs what you have. And what do you have? You have Jesus. You have salvation. And I don't mean that as like you got to be the next Spurgeon or Billy Graham. Again, this is who we are. We are just called to be the light in the darkness. And that looks like showing his love in the way we are shown that love, just like we did when we come together tonight. Does that make sense? Does that seem like too philosophical for you? Okay, good. All right, cool. So I just want to encourage you. Like what Paul's asking of these people and what he's hoping for them to be a proud papa, he's saying this is for all people. You can be a proud mama, papa, right? That's a big deal. That is a really big deal. There's somebody who needs what you have. Go give it to them. Go look for that opportunity when you're not here. Okay, when you're here, let us build each other back up. But when you're not here, go build somebody else up. That's it. Don't worry. If you give, you'll get it back. I promise. That's a big deal. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I know I pounded that. We're going to move on. So a poured out offering. This is a weird one. This is a weird one. I'm going a little late, so forgive me. Jesse took so long. I must have taken at least 20 minutes. All right. <laughs> Forget. So, so a poured out offering. So Paul talks about this, this at the end here. Um, he talks about this in Timothy too. Uh, at the end of the thing, he talks about being a poured out drink offering, which is a weird thing in our, in our day and age. Like that doesn't mean anything to us. Uh, do I have the Timothy passage? I, I don't know if I do. Second uh, Timothy 4, 6 says, he says this in Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering um, and the time of my departure has come. Paul's nearing the end of his ministry. He thinks his life's going to be ending when he's writing this letter to Timothy. But he uses this reference multiple times and, and we don't have any context for what that means. Well, a couple things. Paul's a Jew, okay? And in the old law, they were called to give these offerings. And one of these offerings was a drink offering, okay? Literally, they put wine in a glass and they would pour it out on the offering table. Why? <laughs> that, again, that has no context to us as Westerners 2,000 plus years removed from whatever they're doing. And even Jews nowadays, you know, don't have the same recognition of what they're doing. They just have the history of it. Okay? So I want to give you guys a little understanding of what Paul's talking about here. The drink offering was in the Levitical law, right? That offering was specifically an offering of worship. Okay, you with me? So when the word worship has gotten a little bit convoluted as in it's only singing or it's only this or it's only that. Worship is anything we do for the Lord, okay? That's, that's what worship is. Bianca and Jonathan had a great series talking about worship. It's a real thing. Worship can be done at all times and in all ways, but the drink offering was a worship offering, okay? You with me? Next thing, Paul's allusion to him uh, being poured out as a drink offering is actually a joyful expression to him. He's saying, it is because I am so joyful to do this thing and see what you have become that I am more than happy to be poured out as a drink offering. It's just an analogy. It's an illusion. Okay, so I just don't want you to miss what he's saying here. But the last thing to see is that Paul invites them to join him in rejoicing. Okay, he's calling them at the end of this to be like me. He's saying, you are to experience the joy of the Lord as well. That's a big deal. And he thinks that joy looks like ministering to people. 
and I mean that as simply as what we just talked about, but that is where you will find fulfillment and joy. Because you love the Lord, because he is our strength, when you minister to other people, and what I mean by minister, not to get a churchy word out there, when you practically love other people in any given way, that's going to, you will experience that joy. Have any of you ever experienced that? The satisfaction and the recognition of what it looks like to do something to, for, or whatever, to somebody else for no reason other than to choose love. It is one of the most satisfying feelings you will ever have. Love is selfless, right? You can go to the First Corinthians passage in 13 there where it talks about love. But love is this, as John says, that he first loved us. So it didn't mean anything that they do for us. Loving actions can happen in any way and in every day and in every time that you're anywhere near anyone else. Okay? Just remember that. It starts by giving. Okay. So here's my exhortation to you. In our culture, we're not used to having people tell us to be better. Can, can I, would you guys agree with that? In our culture, most people aren't just like, dude, be better. You're sucking right now. <laughs> Has anyone experienced that? Besides like maybe your best friend or your brother or sister or your mom, whatever, dad, right? Okay, I just want to, I want to point out to you, hear me, right? You guys have heard me talk about love. I'm going to push you to be better. I don't think what we are and where we're at right now is enough. And I don't think you are doing enough. I'm sure as heck not, okay? And I'll put myself at the front of you. And I will humble myself completely and say, I fail daily to be the love of Christ to people around me. But that's okay. Because I serve a God who is not failing. Right? And that is each one of you. And that is the thing that we are called to. So I'm going to encourage you. Be better. You can do it. I promise. Okay? I promise it's able, it's possible. That one thing every day, and that'll grow, and that'll grow, and it'll snowball, and you'll recognize that you are living a life that Christ has called you to. And never forget, your Father who's in heaven is rooting for you. And he's right there behind you and saying, yeah, I got you. It's okay if you look stupid. It's okay if they think you're dumb. It's okay if whatever in fact, you'll promise that from the word that you will be ridiculed for his name's sake if you love him. Okay? So love someone. What's, I mean, what do you have to lose? Right? You're going to gain the joy. You're going to gain the benefit. And they're going to recognize Christ. It's up to them what they do with it. That's a huge deal. So, again, be better. I love you guys. Like, I don't think this is something that you're not doing good enough, but I know we can be better than we are, all right? So hear me on that. Okay, the last thing I'm going to echo is Paul. Uh, Paul's charge uh, goes out like this. Work out, your fear with salvation, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Forgive me. That is one of the things we can be better at, and that looks like that day-to-day thing, okay? Approaching it with reverence, approaching it with all these things. Sweet. Hold tight to Jesus so that when we stand before him on the day of Christ, we're proud to be called his sons and daughters. And my hope and prayer for you is that you will have people that you know and see that are sons and daughters because of what you did. That is my prayer for you guys. That is a huge deal. Okay. Lastly, I pray that like Paul, You learn the joy of pouring your life out like a drink offering to the Lord in joyful expression. That you may experience a life that is lived not as the world says joyfulness is had, 
but as Christ as his head. I think that's it. That's the whole Christian walk. Okay, I'm going to pray for you guys. Uh, we're going to do communion. Um, and uh, just, just as a real quick recognition um, of what communion is, communion is the Lord's table. Uh, he instituted it. He said, for those of you who profess that I am who I am, the Savior, the Christ, the King of the world, and you have called me King, then you come and partake of my table. This is something you should do when you meet together. Okay, This is what communion is. So communion is... Is for those who, who do confess it. If you do not confess that, we would just ask you to, to not worry about it. We're not judging anyone. We don't care. That's not the point. Our point is that you feel loved, okay? But if, if that is the case, then you do, then come and, and, and have the bread and have the wine with us. But um, let me pray for you, and then Mike's going to come up, and we're going we're gonna to have communion. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness, and thank you for your, um, for your everlasting love for us. We thank you that we're able to accomplish your, your will and your works because you love us. And Lord, we just ask that you would, that you would be with us in bearing, um, bearing through our trials and our struggles and hardships of life and that you would, uh, you would help us to see what is real and what is true and to be able to find the opportunities in our lives to serve those around us, to show your love. So Father, I just pray that you would uh, encourage each person here, that you would give them extra confidence as they walk out of here tonight into the world and that you would um, you would just bless them as they go or that you would show them uh, who you are in such a real way so I thank you and I praise you in Jesus name Amen Thanks again for tuning in to the True North Vineyard Podcast We hope that you are blessed by this message To connect with us be sure to visit our website vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Finger. We hope to see you soon.